0: Women Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Linda Crater celebrate the thoughts and opinions of magnetic, spirited, and influential women. Each week, bold, brilliant women spark vigorous conversations on the complexities of life, love, and happiness. Now here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Crater.
1: Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Bieseman, Linda Crater, Frankie Picasso, and this is our Party of Four roundtable for today. We're going to be talking about commonality. And when we talk about commonality, what comes to mind for me right away is how my boys, my dad, my ex husband, guys can get together all the time with different walks of life, different people, different everything, and play a poker game and not think anything about their ideology their religious beliefs their their parenting ideals their look their anything they can just sit down and play cards then get up and go about their day women can't we look at each other we make judgments we make decisions we can't just come together easily as a group for a common cause without identifying our differences and so i want to open the roundtable discussion today to ask why do we have to have commonality before we can get together and enjoy each other? I'm going to go to Linda Crater first.
0: You know, I find it fascinating that we're talking about these these differences or, or taking a, a judgment or a discernment before we come closer. Because for me, initially, I went to a woman's college, and so I got along with We did not judge each other that way at all, but when you came out of college and entered real life, that's where what you're talking about was identified to me, and I noticed that it had to happen. Why does it happen? Probably because everyone is from different walks of life, and if you've not had close personal relationships with other women where you have the commonality of, in my case, education or classes or something we were doing together, you don't know where the common threads are so there's a lot of uh, inquiry you know how are you wh- where do you come from um, what do you love to do uh, as you say finding ways of, of identifying what we do and when we have something in common that's generally what we glom onto. to I'm one of those odd people though that when someone talks about something about themselves I, I'm more intrigued by the differences and, and that often forms way I first start to communicate with someone because I would like to know more about them that way. Frankie Picasso
1: coming in from Toronto.
0: Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Linda. Uh, You know, I also
2: went to an all-girls school. Um, I have to say that I have found and have said before how interesting it can be that a woman can walk into a washroom and find out the most personal, intimate details about other women that they don't know. They'll right. just start talking random things because we do have things in common. We're women and we understand, you know, what it means to be a woman. And we share a lot of commonalities just by, you know, our, our gender. And and so we are very open and can be open with women. Mm-hmm. We're men, you know, they, yeah, they can sit down at a poker table, but they won't know anything about the other person at the end of it. We <laughs> will know your whole history. <laughs> Right?
0: <laughs> and, we, and we share it very openly. You're right. Yes.
1: Yes. Well, we do. I mean, look at we're on the radio sharing this openly. Um, and now we're going to go to Robin Bieseman, Eugene, Oregon.
3: For me, I, we're so women are just so relational. I truly do care about how you're doing and what you do and how how you are. And I love to learn. Like like Linda was saying, I love to learn about people. I love to learn about people who don't aren't the same as me, mm-hmm. and and just keep growing and learning in that way. So it's obvious. My husband, <clears throat> in his business, he I'll ask him something about his employees, and he doesn't even know mm-hmm. how many kids they have. For heaven's sake, right. you know. It's so it's so <laughs> opposite
1: well what's interesting to me is when i go to these events and this is just not specific to los angeles we've got you know toronto washington and oregon represented here today on the table on a round table is is how we check out people like i can go to an event and i will look at what a girl's wearing i'll look at her hair i'll look at her i don't look at the men's hair i don't look at the men's suit i don't look at it and go oh that tie doesn't go with that shirt i'll automatically (laughs) you know kind of go to the woman and then when i've talked to to men in my life they're like oh yeah did you see she's she's good looking she's wearing red you know they don't they don't get the details but we all check out the women no one checks out the the men and When you get dressed, do you get dressed for yourself? Do you get dressed for how other women will perceive you? Or do you get dressed for the man in your life? And I'm going to go to Linda Crater first.
0: You know, I find that fascinating that you asked that I have always gotten dressed for me. And I, that includes if it's a rainy day, I'll wear something bright. Um, I, I mean, to me, clothes and the choices I make and the colors I choose all are helping me be the best person I can be that day. And so I, I'm, I'm terribly uh, centered <laughs> on that part. I just make it for myself because I don't really um, judge. I don't judge women on what they're wearing um, or how they're looking. I, I do Take a look though at how they carry themselves, if they are accessible, if they're warm, if they're inviting. If they're not, I do notice that more than what they're wearing.
1: Frankie Picasso, Toronto.
2: Linda, that's so interesting. I think I'm an equal opportunity fashion police. (laughs) Don't look at everybody. i love you know i do i do love i I guess because i'm an artist you know aesthetics Mm. are important to me um maybe not my own but other people's i do like to look at at pretty things so that is one thing um i think that i definitely dress for myself definitely dress for myself um and it used to be you know if it was work and i had to get a job or something like that it would be a red power suit because it made me feel good you know like when you really need to feel good you have to have something in your wardrobe that always makes you feel good and and will make you feel you know special and so that's really important I think everybody needs one of those um but you know going to an event it's it's for me um other women you know I'll look at other women's fashion I'll go gee yeah I wish I could still wear that but um I'm <laughs> there was probably a time I was jealous of it but now you know as I'm heading into those twilight years um not not as much you know maybe it's just a oh gee I wish but uh, I'm happy for them and I'm happy to compliment them and mm-hmm. you know one thing that I did learn was was that um, an acknowledgement is different from a compliment mm-hmm. and when you are, acknowledge somebody and, and how beautiful they look or, or you know what they're wearing that's sincere you know that's sincere and I think that that's really
1: important to be sincere Robin Bieseman Eugene Oregon
3: well, I live in Eugene, Oregon. <laughs> so, Eugene Oregon is, is is unique in itself. And a lot of casual grays and browns and beiges and and I dress urban. So, I dress for myself. I I don't feel I feel comfortable in that. And I must say, girls, that I re- really do like to look at well-dressed men. Mm-hmm. i like men mm-hmm. in suits and and everything's together i don't i don't know if i i don't think i judge anything i just it's just what it is but that's what i notice
1: well and i think you know that's that's true it's like if a man is dressed in a suit and he looks really sharp i'll acknowledge the whole package but whereas In a woman, I might admire her scarf or I might like her shoes or like the other day I was in Smart and Final and this girl, the checkout girl pulls like, you know, this handbag from under the, you know, the checkout counter, you know, she's getting her lipstick or her chapstick or whatever. And it was the most beautiful bag and I was fascinated by her bag and, you know, she's there in her Smart and Final uniform and I was just, I was just enamored with this bag But I don't notice those things on men, but I'm going to be, I'm in Los Angeles and it's very self-centered and very, Mm -hmm. I'll be straight out and tell you guys that there are times that I dress for the group I'm with rather Mm -hmm. than for me. So if I'm going to like a PTA meeting for the school, I'll dress a certain way. If I'm going to a work meeting, I'll dress a certain way. If I'm going to a date another way, and I'm I get confused because I really don't know who I'm dressing for at that point. I know that I'll feel uncomfortable if I'm dressed incorrectly for the event. Like that's really clear. I went to a wedding one time up in the giant redwoods in in Northern California, and I wore a nice dress because it was a wedding and it was a hippie wedding, and everybody was in like tie-dyed T-shirts and sundresses and from Eugene, <laughs> oh. you know, I <laughs> looks <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I look stupid and I felt stupid. So the question was, where is the connection between me feeling good, like for me to get dressed for me? Like, in all honesty, if I'm dressing for me, I'm wearing black leggings, an oversized sweatshirt, a turtleneck, and these ratty fingerless gloves that I love. That's not <laughs> appropriate for like 95% of the world. So <laughs> I don't really know who I'm dressing for.
0: Why do you That's think that is? Hmm.
1: Well, I don't know. The interview is not about me. I'm the host. Oh, but we're not
0: letting you off the hook. Frank, just for one
2: second. I think when you asked who are you dressing for, Sandra, I I mean, I dress for me. The outfit I'm going to wear is is something that I like, and it's for me, but it's still going to be appropriate for the group I'm going to. Uh, Maybe I didn't make that clear. Like, I'm going to dress... You know, if I'm going to to a business function, I'm not gonna wear my leggings. If I'm going to but it's still gonna be something that makes me feel me. Does that make sense? Robin Bieseman.
3: Well, depending on where I'm speaking and singing and doing what I do is if I'm in Dallas, I'm gonna dress a whole lot different in Dallas than I am in mine at North Dakota. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I want them to accept that. I mean, I I, I will never dress probably like Eugene, but there's a difference depending on if I'm hanging out with kids I might wear con, con, my converses if I'm with um, older women I might dress in a different color but that's only because I'm up front so for the connection that's all that is but as far as peers are concerned uh, uh, you know what you are you who you are and I am who I am that's how I that's how I feel Well, I think it's interesting,
1: you know, to talk about these things because when I was younger or I look at the girls who work for me, I've got some 20 somethings um, that work for me and they tend to dress the way the magazines say to dress or they tend to dress the way media tells them to dress. And I did the same thing in my 20s. You know, I was definitely fashion forward and following, you know, what the trends were because I didn't. I didn't have my own sense of style and we're coming up on commercial break and we're going to talk about a sense of style when we come back from the break because my sense of style has evolved and the more comfortable I've gotten with myself in my own skill the less I've needed to adorn myself. I used to wear jewelry all the time. I don't wear as much jewelry. Now I wear a couple subtle pieces. Very, very different than when I was in my 20s. So when we come back from the break, we're gonna talk about how did our personal style develop What were our influences, and where did we start, and where are we now? This is Dynamic Women Talk Radio. You can find more episodes like this on dynamicwomentalkradio.com. Our guests today are Robin Bieseman from Eugene, Oregon, Linda Crater, my co-host from Washington, D.C., and Frankie Picasso from Toronto, Ontario. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about the evolution of our personal style.
0: Dynamic Women Talk Radio, and we'll return after these short messages.
4: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember, that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Can muscle turn into fat? It sure looks like it can, but the reality is, it can't. When you have tight and defined muscles, and you quit working out with weights, or exercising at all in some cases, it seems like your hard muscle turns to flab. Remember, muscle and fat are two different entities, and one cannot turn into another. What happens is when you stop exercising, your muscle fibers grow smaller, while your fat cells grow larger. With exercise, your muscles make the fibers grow, and when you stop exercising, they reduce in size. Likewise, your body's fat cells can change in size depending on how much fat each one stores. So keep your body fit, healthy, and strong. Keep up your exercise, and don't let conditioned muscles become flabby. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond.
1: Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Crater, Frankie Picasso, and Robin Bieseman, and we're talking today about commonality and the evolution of our personal styles. Now, when I was in my teens, I was very athletic, I was a swimmer, so I wore workout wear to everything, everywhere, 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 and I had green hair, and it was just burned to death from the chlorine. Then I go to... College and i experimented with a few different styles one of my styles i actually shaved my head and left just a little bit of hair in the front and my republican conservative military father called me buzz and <laughs> you know people would ask me when they'd see pictures of me from that time and they're like oh was that because you shaved your head because your brother had cancer no was that because you had a political ideology no, and it really came down to as i was standing in the mirror one day and i'm like hmm I wonder what i would look if i shaved my head and you know that was really the sum total of the thought process there really wasn't anything deeper than that and i've experimented over the years with really short hair really long hair i only dyed my hair black once i'm naturally like a real white blonde because my roots grew in and it really looked nasty with with it looked like old lady roots and a 20 year old head. So I kind of stuck with the same color, but, um, and I did, I went through magazine after magazine to find out what I thought looked good on me. And I'm continuing to evolve. My look has continued to evolve over time. And, uh, I don't know how much my look has to do with my identity because I don't think my identity has changed that much. So I'm interested to hear from the other girls at the table today in our Party of Four roundtable. How has your personal style evolved over time? And was it a reflection of what you were thinking and feeling or were you following trends or just having some fun? I'm going to go with Frankie Picasso first. Oh, wow. Ontario.
2: I loved platform shoes in the 70s. And I used to work in six inch platforms and I could walk in them really well. And I, you know, had very long hair. I had probably one of the first people around my area who had a shag, but I kept the, the the bottom like down in my waist, but I had the shag haircut and I loved it. You know, I was always like the trend setter wherever I was, um, because I guess my personality was risk risk kind of taker, but it also went with my style also went with, um, uh, you know, like I, my, my jeans had. Because of, you know, now the women's, you know, women's liberation and all that, I would, I had patches on my jeans, you know, with the now symbol and the, you know, the women's symbol on them. And then um, as as I evolved out of this kind of hippie-ish kind of look into, uh, I, beca- I, I wore medical wear for a while. That was kind of fun. Um, but I've always been a jeans girl, loved jeans, as, as long as I could fit in them, you <laughs> and and um, but I've always worn makeup ever since I was 11 years old I've always worn makeup and it wasn't until this year that I actually went out of my house without makeup on hmm. and I thought well I'm invisible people don't see me anymore so I can do that but um, it felt strange and, and different it's kind of liberating in a way but um, my, my style why has, did you has say
1: invisible changed. why are you invisible
2: um I think it's age you know there was there was a. Up until 50, um, you know, I could walk into a room and people would still look at you and go, oh, it's pretty good. But I think like after that, something happened and people weren't looking anymore. And it's kind of, you know, um, defeating, I guess, self-defeating or whatever. But uh, I thought, yeah, you know what? Now, now it's like they don't look anymore. It's just I'm invisible. I'm the invisible woman now. So there it goes. <laughs>
1: Wow see I can't imagine you walking into a room and not you're so striking looking you know you've got striking features striking hair and and I wonder if 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 um I don't know Robin Bieseman, Eugene Oregon
3: well, because of what I do, I hear a lot of women say this that they do feel invisible and and for me, it's just like you know you, you you're fabulous no matter how old you are, but it's how you look at yourself and you have gifts and talents that you just you have or what whatever and it's it's my job to help help the people in class to understand who they are and that they do have such positive things to contribute and and it is it, all in that attitude i mean if you look in the mirror and your shoulders are down and you're oh well whatever that's how you're going to walk out the door if you stand in the mirror and your shoulders are back and your chest is out and you have makeup on or whatever you want to do and and you dress a certain way you will walk out the door like that you have as much to contribute i'm sorry I don't mean to do this. Just feel like I'm in class. You have as much <laughs> to contribute, Frankie, as anybody else, and oh, that's I what I want so women to feel. To
2: myself, Robin. No, Go to others, right? Uh, yeah, it's it's just you know, there's a certain age that you pass when that when, when when that gets passed on to the younger ladies in in a room. That's all I'm saying. I don't feel unconfident or or oh, like okay, cool. good or anything like that. No, no, no. You, you it, it's a, a different feeling. That's all. All I
3: righty. Good job.
1: Conflict, conflict, conflict. No, I'm sorry.
2: Never, <laughs> never.
3: Nice. No, understanding, just, understanding. Fight, 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 No,
1: I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. A little <laughs> levity <are> here. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Linda Crater, Washington, D.C. Well, I got I,
0: you now. I laugh because I am five feet tall, and so my fashion style started out of the fact that there were no petite clothes when I was growing up. So I... My mother was a seamstress and sewed uh, a lot of things. And I learned to sew my own clothes about the age of 10. Mm-hmm. And so it was me who was creating my own style and and creating actually clothes that could fit me. You talk about jeans. There were no jeans that fit a, a five-foot tall – well, I wasn't even that tall then um, you know, – pre-teen. It, it just wasn't possible. So I didn't end up wearing jeans until – I think my twenties because they didn't fit and they, they fit boys and I was curvy and it, it just was really funny. So my immediate style in high school was, um, I would call it tailored and classic and I have never deviated from tailored and classic my entire life. Um, long hair, petite, you know, the whole thing. And I was fascinated by some of the old classic styles of, um, I wore scarves when scarves weren't cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I really just, I had friends who were all tall and lithe and willowy, but I also knew inherently that I could not wear the clothes they were wearing because I would look completely ridiculous. So I i really feel as though I, I've more or less maintained the same style, but I'm so much more confident in feeling really happy about choosing the right colors um, adding that scarf even when nobody was wearing scarves. But to go back to what Frankie said about being invisible, at times in my life where there were some big challenges, I can remember looking in the mirror and I saw nothing reflected back. So that invisible feeling that you're mentioning – to me and it eventually went away and there was that person looking back at me in the mirror and I thought that was a fascinating thing to go through because it made me realize that I had the control over whether I was going to be invisible or not and a lot of it had to do with being okay with who I was and what I thought and what I believed and so the more comfortable I became with that my style didn't really change it's still as classic and tailored and um very similar to what I've worn my entire life, but it suits me.
1: Hmm, I was just thinking classic and tailored That's so much work. No, it actually uh, isn't
0: because you just know. And, you and always then know what you can wear. Well, the, the best part is if you are tiny and small, you stay that way and then you just add to things your whole life. I have clothes that are older than my children.
2: Oh, man. I've never been able to do that. Whenever no, I'm no, shopping, me, I'm no. looking
3: for clothes that I mean, I'm I look for clothes that won't match and go with the other ones I have in the closet. And <laughs> every once in a while I'll I'll break out, you know, and get something different. Or when I do concerts, that's a whole different thing with a lot of sparkle and everything. But with with wearing everyday clothes, I look forward now now we have these scarves. Oh my word. I they
0: love- can go with
3: everything. I, I have such a I had a great Christmas for that. So so that was fun. <laughs> Why do
1: you think that, like, I'm just going to ask you a question. What do you sleep in? Like, I wear these crazy woman pajamas. I like the ones with the the big, like, owls on the legs, and then they have, like, a a top that matches with an embroidery, and they can be flannel or that squishy fleece. Um, Or, like, my PJs, like my little short frilly ones. They're so much fun to sleep in. Uh, I'm going to go, Frankie, what do you sleep in? Nothing.
2: Oh,
3: my gosh. Good okay. girl. I really <laughs> sleep
2: naked. I can't sleep with clothes on. I have pajamas that I wear before I go to bed, but once I'm in bed, I have to. I can't sleep with
1: clothes on.
0: Now, what about you, Linda Crater? I actually wear those really pretty chemise nightgowns that aren't, aren't nightgowns at all. They're just beautiful mm-hmm. little chemises, and I have always felt that that was a gift to myself to feel pretty every time I went mm-hmm. to
1: bed. Ah, Robin Beeseman.
0: And I'm with Frankie. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay. So we got one, one class yeah. nudes and a goofball. Uh, <laughs> the reason I say this is I wonder what you know, what does our sleeping choice uh say about us? You know, like for me I'm I'm very funny and silly and girly and goofy and so that's the one time in my life that I can put something on maybe that is just silly and is just for me um but I can't imagine sleeping naked maybe I have some big hang-up about being naked I don't know
2: I was reading an article the other day sorry um because I don't sleep as you know Sandra very well and this article said make sure you sleep naked because you will sleep longer
0: I saw that article
2: did you see it I did yeah so I need and all the what help I get. what does it say
3: about you? Is that what you said, Sandra?
2: Yeah.
3: It says that I'm happily married. Yeah. <laughs> For 43 years. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love it.
2: I love it.
1: Well, I just think, you know, these are the things that I always wonder about. Like, when I was young and I was going to school, I used to wonder what the nuns wore under their habit. Like, you know, (laughs) I wanted to, like, roll a pencil and go down on the floor and look and not trying to be a pervert or anything, but... I just wanted to know, like, what do people do when other people are not looking? Because I look at all of us and say, okay, we're all public figures at a greater or lesser extent in our careers. And so as public figures, we have to do certain things, dress a certain way or look a certain way. And, you know, going out and, you know, on stage in fuzzy pajamas, you know, isn't going to fly in most venues. So when all is said and done and the lights are turned down and the makeup's off, you know, what do people do? And I think it's a lot of fun to talk about these things. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about what our parents wore and is that a reflection of the generation and is a reflection of our times? When we come back from the break, we're going to visit with Robin Bieseman, Linda Crater, Frankie Picasso, and myself, Sandra Beck. That's our table of four, our, um, or our party of four for today's uh, show. We'll be back after the break. And if if you like this episode and you want more like it, go to dynamicwomentalkradio.com.
0: We're Dynamic Women Talk Radio and we'll return after these short messages.
5: wonder how reindeer survive the severe cold? Well, they snuzzle around for some moss to eat. Moss contains a special chemical that helps keep their body fluids warm. And they're going to have to keep warm if they're going to pull Santa's sleigh every year. Santa's sleigh was originally called a wing doodle. Both male and female reindeer grow antlers, but male reindeer drop their antlers at the beginning of winter. I can't help but wonder why Santa's reindeer from Rudolph to Blitz and had male names. Since they had antlers, they would have had to be female. We women should have known only females would be able to drag a hefty man outfitted in a red velvet suit, originally called a and daddy, all around the world in one night and not get lost. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word.
4: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Low-fat foods can be healthy or unhealthy, depending on what you choose to eat. Whole foods like vegetables, fruit, beans, rice, and potatoes are all low-fat and good for you. Processed low-fat foods are a different story. Eat This, Not That says that the term low-fat is synonymous with loaded with salt and cheap carbohydrates. Many times when the fat is taken out, It is replaced by unhealthy ingredients that are not good for you. The New England Journal of Medicine found that over a two-year span, people on low-carb diets lost 62% more body weight than those on low-fat diets. It's always important to keep your fats low while choosing good, healthy foods to eat. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute Minute with Annette Hammond.
3: Hey ladies,
1: this is Sandra Beck of Dynamic Women Talk Radio, and I'm here with my lovely co host, Linda Crater. And we are joined today at our Party of Four Roundtable, Robin Bieseman and Frankie Picasso. And we are re- representing Oregon and uh, California. Where's Washington? Is that its own state? God, oh, my education is so bad when I'm on the air. I can't even remember Washington, D.C. or Maryland. Where are you? Uh, I'm in an episode uh, of Annapolis, Maryland. Annapolis, Maryland. Okay, I keep calling you, I'm just going to say Washington, D.C. because it's e- easier. Um, and Eugene, Oregon with Robin Bieseman. Now, before we went to break, I just wanted to ask a funny question um, to see how things have changed. What did your parents wear to bed? And we're going to go with Robin Bieseman first.
3: Well, I have no idea. Really? <laughs> no, no. I remember I would walk in my sleep, and my dad would have to get my mom would, elbow him and say Daryl she's up again so my dad would go and I think he wore underwear and I think he put his white terry cloth robe and find me and walk me back to bed I have no idea what my mom wore probably some polyester slinky sleeveless nightgown
1: wow okay yeah. Linda Crater
0: I'm, I'm still envisioning the the fuzzy fuzzy bathrobe and walking you back. That was a, that was a oh, smart woman with the elbow. Um, <laughs> a, a, you know, what I do remember was uh, pajama bottoms for my dad and my mom in a pretty, like, nightshirt kind of thing.
1: Wow. Okay. Frankie Picasso.
2: Yeah. My mom had, had one, a flannel nightgown for sure, maybe a little bed jacket. My dad, nude.
1: always Wow. Needed. My dad always had uh, boxer shorts on and my mom had an, a very modest nightgown. Um, and, it, you know, but, but the funny thing was is is we all had to th- really stop and think about and remember back to what our parents were. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and I love that you guys are all willing to be, you know, kind of team players and go along with my my questions here because that's, not the way it is today it 's the way I was raised it 's the way that the suffragettes went and you know got together and got our right, right to vote and, and you know many of the rights and freedoms that we take granted t- today um, but we don 't see that we see a lot of mean spirited mean girls, and I think that goes against the commonality um, that that we all need to have and I think back to recently there was that Playboy Bunny that took a picture of herself at a New York City gym with her hand over her mouth laughing at the old naked lady who was showering behind her. And mm-hmm. I, I I hope she went to jail. I mean, I just stick her in jail and, and send a message to everybody that our privacy rights are invaded with things like this. Mm-hmm. But. More than that is the meanness of that. Like if I was that judge, I'd be like, you know what, you might be a pretty little naked photograph chick, but one day you're going to be stepping on your own boobs when you brush your hair. So (laughs) I just, you know, we all get old, we all age and, and things change, but... One of the changes that I've seen is the meanness, the meanness that comes through social media, through television programs and movies. And the things that come out of people's mouths these days are just insane. And I'm going to go to Robin Bieseman in uh, Eugene, Oregon first.
3: Well, what I see a lot of, and I work with teens, too, what I see a lot of is there's a lot of... um, just meanness altogether. They live in a world. A lot of them live in worlds that are not healthy and that are not happy. And they're put down. So they put down others. They they hurt, they're hurt. So they get they hurt others. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they feel like they are um, entitled. And if they're not going to be loved and cared for, they're going to do what they have to do, and they're taking care of themselves. And in order to do that, they have to do this and it, to others. And it, it, you know, it's it's painful. It's painful to watch because it's not necessary, and it doesn't. Our whole world is crazed right now. You know,
1: it's hard. It's hard. And I want to. I want to know, Frankie. What do you see happening up in Toronto? You get to represent. Your country. <laughs>
0: Your whole country now. Your whole
2: country. I speak for Canada. Yay. Well, you know, we were talking, um, the, the show was based on the premise of what, you know, Madeline Albright, and, and she said there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. And I love that. and And I think it's really true. And there was a time when I was growing up that we were. Women were, you know, in groups and it was so special to be able to have women to talk to and tell you all your stuff to. And now you've got these TV shows like even called Mean Girls and, and maybe it's, you know, the Internet where people can cyber bully and have actually, you know, had girls commit suicide because of how mean other girls are. And what is it with them, their need to attack other than, you know, their own fear, their own uh lack of confidence, lack of love, maybe. I don't know, but I I do find that there is a special degree of you know women haters. Women are haters now; they're not they they don't love one another. You know, yesterday I was at at brunch, and this older woman. Um, Was sitting at a table with her family, and every time we were at a buffet, and every time she came back to her table, she would turn around, she would touch me on the shoulder, and she would say something to me. And it was interesting because I didn't give her eye contact, I was just with my husband, uh, but she felt this need to talk to me every time. And I thought it was really cool, and maybe I was giving off this energy like, hey, you know, talk to me. But, you know, I knew that I could talk to this woman. Like, here was an energy where I could talk to her, and she could talk to me, and she felt open enough to be able to, you know, hey you know more than just how's your day going you know there was calories on the food she goes don't look at the calories on the food it's okay and like she's saying i'm fat like what is she saying to me but you know it, there's that openness but the younger girls are you know they would never do that in a million years um they would just look and be and be snide and make comments about you know what you're wearing or you know a fat roll or whatever because it just makes themselves feel better it doesn't make you feel better
3: does it change well, when you get older, do you think when you're more you're confident in yourself enough to say whatever? who cares what anybody says about me? Do you think that it changes then, or are there mean women our age?
2: Oh, I think there's mean women our age for sure when okay. okay. um, oh, the but, mean women but, raise the mean girls
4: yeah I, I but, see yeah, that. yeah,
2: I think they do, I think they do because it's it's um an obsession to be better than everybody else
1: wow. and
2: and yet they they haven't found out that you know what we're You don't need to be better. You just need to be a better you.
1: Mm -hmm. well and there used to be these girls robin um and and linda and frankie i used to call them the flagpole girls they were these mean moms that would stand at the flagpole at our elementary school where the other parents would drop their kids off or walk their kids in and the flagpole girls would stand out there and they would look at the other moms they'd look at what they're wearing they would snicker they were just like the mean high school girls Mm -hmm. like you know that would be and they were a click you couldn't like, if you went up, like, I used to go up and say hello to them, and then they would, um, they would like look at me, and like, some would say hello, one would roll her eyes, and one would ignore me. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I hate you guys so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and those mean girls raised really mean kids i mean they all had daughters yeah. they had daughters who were my one son's age um they're not at the flagpole anymore because i wrote an article about the mean flagpole girls so now, oh my goodness so there the they actually few of the moms went to another school they actually left the school and went to another school um the fourth mom's still at our school but she's only the mean mom that stands by the front door now because the mean girls went away, but but they were still mean to me, you know. And I sound ridiculous, you know, as a forty something woman, but they were mean to me just like a, I was in sixth grade all over again. I wanted to punch them and like bang them with the flagpole, but I used a different method to break them up because they just they're just awful and they were creating awful little girls too. So that's that's my opinion. That's what I see that yeah. it was almost like handed down from mother to daughter, like I'm a bitch, you're <laughs> a bitch, and mm-hmm. you know, our grandchild's gonna be raised with that same
3: kind of ideology. Yeah. Well look at the shows though, Sandra. The the ones Tierras and the toddlers and Tierras, the oh. one that's dance moms. I mean Pick a subject. I mean, they just, they gripe about each other all the time behind each other's back. And I mean, that's what's on TV. Yes. So, you know, I, it, it's, it's unsettling for me because that's not the way we should be, obviously.
0: You know, I grew up in a very small town. And it, to the best of my knowledge, we didn't have mean girls. And I feel so privilege to have had that experience it brought an innocence it kept an innocence some might even say Mm -hmm. a naivete that continues to this day because I will always believe the best of people until they prove me wrong but when there are people in my life who have been as you call it the mean girls or the mean women I remove or distance myself from them right to the point of Making choices to either attend meetings or to do it by phone instead, because I don't need toxic people in my life, right. and I just don't. I just don't. I, I don't handle that well. I cut it out of my life. My women friends um, from college and elsewhere, I cherish them, and I think that there is an enormous amount of pressure on the internet, um, even among the younger. My my daughter, who's in her early thirties. I, I mentioned that I thought it was so wonderful that there were, was parenting advice that we never had. You know, your your baby is the size of an avocado right now or <laughs> yeah. it's this, that or the other thing. And, and she said, no, there's a lot of pressure to always know what's next. And if you have a different parenting style, someone will disagree with you or judge you. And I, I never thought of it that way. So it, it really is a choice um, to to be around those kinds of people, if you can, it's not always possible to avoid it. Um, but I, I think it's a lot of pressure today because of the lack of civility in mm-hmm. general. And so we can do it one family at a time, one person at a time, by just being nice and accessible and real, genuine, authentic ourselves. I think you said, or we can write today.
1: articles on the internet about the mean girls,
0: <laughs> or we could do that, right? Well but we have a
1: voice. I mean that's what what the whole show is about today. I mean we we talk about these things because we want our opinions to start discussions not end them. And that's mm-hmm. that's Madeline Albright. She's one of my favorites and you know there is no right or wrong in all these things. There is no great magic solution, but when we talk about these things, my hope and my wish and my prayer for everybody listening today is that you listen to these powerful women's voices and you think about Your life you think about what's going on because sometimes there are leaders in these different mom groups that can just step up and make all the difference just by you know including somebody or saying all right come on guys knock it off um if you're a leader in your group lead with dignity lead with grace lead with style and be wary of the children you're raising today because i'm finding just like the rest of the gals here today that those boundaries of good taste, of don't talk religion and politics at the dinner table, please and thank you. All of those things that are considered old-fashioned um, are going by the wayside. And those are things that are meant to ease us socially, to help us all get along. Good fences make good neighbors. Another one that I don't see, you know, kids with cell phones calling my house till 11 o'clock at night. We we didn't do these things. We no. We could not do these things and so as much as we might be considered old fuddy-duddies by some people these things need to be talked about because we have decisions to make when we come back from the break we're going to talk about cyber everything with respect to commonality we'll be back after the break
0: we're dynamic women talk radio and we'll return after these short messages
4: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Improper posture can lead to low back pain, but exercise can alleviate some of the pain. Walking doesn't cause lumbar pain, but because you are doing repetitive motion, it can make it worse if your posture is incorrect. When you do not stand properly, the ligaments and tendons around your spine can become overworked and cause pain. Inflammation and arthritis surrounding those nerves can also cause pain in your lumbar area. Tight hamstrings and hip flexors can cause your posture to be distorted, and that can put pressure on your lower back, so be sure to keep those areas flexible with effective stretching. To alleviate low back pain, keep the muscles of your core strong. When you are walking, running, or doing any form of exercise, pull your belly button to your spine and keep your core muscles tight and engaged. I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond.
3: You never
5: heard. The letter F was salvaged from the linguistic scrap heap by the Romans. It has remained in use in the Roman alphabet ever since, and now accounts for 2.5% of any page of written English. So today I thought I would give you some fantastic words that start with the letter F. False eloquence is an 18th century word for lying. Fanfarinade is a 17th century word for an arrogant boaster. While a flap doodler is a 19th century slang word for a person who talks nonsense and rubbish, a filly loo is a noisy uproar, and my favorite F word ever, floxy noxy knee hilly billy fication which means worthless trivia. For more Letter of the Day words, download my free app at TooFunnyForWords.com. It's Marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, App Too Funny for Words.
1: Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Crater, Frankie Picasso, and Robin Bieseman, and we are the party of four today and our roundtable topic discussion is commonality and things that set us apart things that bring us together one of my hot buttons lately is manners manners yes. matter and manners exist to ease social situations to help us all get along when you teach your son or daughter to introduce themselves that's mm-hmm. so that when they are out in public that the group that they're part of doesn't feel awkward or weird or doesn't know how to begin a conversation they don't know who you are all of these things teaching your child to put his hand out and make eye contact all of these social Mm -hmm. graces are there to ease social situations they're not being taught today and i'm going to start with my first big hot button with these things and i don't know how it is around the country so i'm going to ask you guys because you guys represent different regions the biggest problem i have in my area is people's children calling me by my first name? Mm. I am not your peer, I'm not your best friend, I'm not your sandbox buddy, and so it's very off-putting for me to have someone six, seven, eight-year-old child call me Sandra. Now I have corrected them, I I Got a lot of pushback when my kids were tiny. My kids are are 10 and 13 now. I got a lot of pushback here when I would correct people and say, I'm Miss Beck. I'm Miss Beck. My Miss Beck. And so I settled on a compromise of I'm Miss Sandra because my kids have their dad's last name. I'm a single mom. It was confusing. I'll grant them that. So I became Miss Sandra. I am the only parent that I know of that goes by Miss Sandra. Everybody else, they their children, and my children, and I'm like, you are not to use their first name. But they're like, Mom, it's okay. I'm like, you're not their peer. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have the same naming phenomenon? Because a name gives us respect. When I say it's Mrs. Bieseman, Mrs. Picasso, you know, Mrs. Crater, or Crater, it's, it's, <laughs> it's different. Sorry, Linda, I keep answering your name. I know, um, it's quite all right. But I'm not their peer. So I'm going to go, let's see, I'm going to go, let's say, oh my gosh, everybody's lighting up on my screen here. I'm going to go to Linda Crater first, then Robin Bieseman, and then Frankie Picasso. Go girls.
0: You know, I think part of it is regional. In the South, calling you Miss Sandra would be normal. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how the protocol goes. I am um, I am south of the Mason-Dixon line, but I would say that it's Mrs. Crater, and I always look around for my mother-in-law. Um it's always been the first and last name. Uh, I would be comfortable with Miss Linda. I'm okay with that. Um, but I, I agree with you. I don't want to be called by my first name by someone. And I don't know if your children have ever done this to you, but when they can't get your attention,
4: mm-hmm. when they were young <laughs>
0: teens, they would go, well, Linda. Linda. Uh And I refused to respond when they called me by my first name. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But, yes, I do think that having a a naming protocol should be your your choice. And, And others should follow what you're asking them to do. If they want to do something differently, okay. But your name is your name. All right. Robin.
3: Well, I've been Miss Robin for a long time. I was a camp mom and and that's how I introduce myself to children, bending over, shaking their hand, looking in the eye and say, "Hi, I'm Miss Robin." So I give them that permission, but if so, if there's a parent that says, "This is Mrs. Beesman," then I won't correct that at all. Right. That's up to the parent to be training, but but I've been known as Miss Robin for the for the longest time, so because I work with teens and kids. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've had anybody call me by my first name under, you know, what, 16. Wow. So, wow. What about you,
1: Frankie? What's going on up in Toronto? Uh, I would never have
2: called my parents friends by their first name ever, mm-hmm. ever, even in my twenties mm-hmm. until they invited me and they finally said, you know, you can call me Sandra. Um, I was called mama P Their their my kids. Friends would always call me mama P mm-hmm. and, and that was okay. Um, because Miss, Mrs. Picasso says, you know, it wasn't Mrs. Picasso, but it sounded really, you know, awkward. Um, but Mama P was good because I was the, the house where everybody came to. You know, Ooh. I was the mom. So that was great and that was fine. And But I did not let them call me by my first name. No. It, it, there's just a level of disrespect there.
0: Agree.
1: agree. There is. Well, and disrespect is what we're talking about today. So many things in the pursuit of, you know, these young people wanting to to make sure that they're noticed, that they're heard, that they're valued. Um, these, this term boundaries, you know, keeps coming up. And it's like we had very clear boundaries when I was growing up in the upper northeast. Now, I know everybody's here from different parts of the, the country, different parts of the world, um, but there were very different protocols. Like, you know, even old-fashioned ones, good fences make good neighbors. You know, you don't call somebody's house after 8 o'clock at night.
3: Oh, and yeah.
1: You know, now I see, you know, texting goes on, you know, all hours and, mm-hmm. and, um, it's just, it's different. And I, I don't know if it's just cause I'm getting older and cranky or <laughs> if it really is getting older. Cause my dad will say things and I'm like, you're right, dad. And the kids are like, well, that's cause you guys are old and, <laughs> and? I don't know how much it is. Yeah. And, um, but it's different there's there's no you know the kids in in our middle school they have this medal of honor program and you know my one son got a medal for integrity and yeah. i thought how strange is that that we're rewarding integrity but yet we're not teaching it anymore so we can recognize it and give a medal but what are we what are we teaching our kids about about integrity and honor and discipline and respect i mean i i don't know what, what's happening. And so I feel really confused.
3: Well, I think that it comes from, obviously it comes from home. And um, one of the things I think about is like, say you're taking your child to the movies and your one child just turned eight and uh, it's $1 more for them to go to the movies. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're saying, just tell them you're seven. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And those kind of things that we do are tell them, would you tell them I'm not home? When you mm-hmm. at, get a phone call, things like that—that that chips examples. to yep. to me—that chips away at integrity. It shows, hey, it's okay. So this it comes to mind
1: for that. Oh, I'm just sitting over here because I did get my son into a kid movie
3: once. But I just tell him to say that, but he's so small that they
1: took they are like one kid and one adult. I'm like, yeah. But you're right. I mean,
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean,
1: what do you want to say? I'll be—you didn't tell I'm, you didn't tell him to say that you were seven. Right. No, no, right. but I also didn't There's open a little my bit big, of a difference there. Yeah, so I didn't know if big trap either. Um but but yeah, I mean these little things matter. And and kids do watch more about what you do than what you say. And oh, yeah. how are you, do you you guys all have grandbabies, right?
3: Mm-hmm. hmm. Yep. I have so, a new grandchildren, nine and eleven, we just got in October. So I don't have babies. <laughs>
1: But but we have, you know, but when you look at them, like, I don't have any grandbabies yet. I'm still raising Mm -hmm. my babies. But my friends, some of them have grandbabies acquired by marriage. Mm -hmm. And it's been interesting to me to watch. And I live in a multi-generational household with my dad and my kids. It's interesting to watch the behaviors the kids model after, which is much more powerful than what the parent is saying.
0: It's brilliant because I think the pendulum is swinging. Maybe I'm just an eternal optimist, but I think the pendulum is swinging. I think people have realized that the incivility has got to stop, that lying is not okay. My children used to get into a lot of trouble if they lied to me. If they mm-hmm. had were, did something wrong, okay, we could address that, but if you tried to lie about it, now the punishment was going to be twice as difficult because it it just was not acceptable. And that's still a real big deal breaker for me personally. If someone lies to me, that means they're not trustworthy in my book. But I do think when you're talking about the multigenerational, I think that pendulum is swinging from this incivility to people recognizing how important it is to have boundaries, to have manners, to, to put some of these... Um, limits into place because when we knew the social mores and what we were supposed to do or not supposed to do if you chose to break from them you also chose to accept the consequences now there are a few consequences and and I think that has been recognized and I, I personally believe that we're going to move back to more of the old uh, I don't want to call them rules because that sounds limiting okay, but I, I really think it, it just would like to say the the social mores that allowed us to have a little bit of structure and and gave us expectations.
1: Frankie, you have something to add to Linda's camp.
2: Yes. Well, I I told my kids that um, if they told me the truth, no matter what, if it was bad or good, whatever, they would not get in trouble by me. However, if they lied, it would be double double Mm -hmm. double, double trouble and so we maintained an open relationship and it it encouraged them to always come to me and tell me stuff that um you know that was on their minds or that they did or they felt guilty about and we could talk through those things rather than have it eat away at them and you know the guilt eat at them and and uh who knows how that would extrapolate in the future Well, the
1: lying thing from what I have, I'm one of those moms that has kids in my house all the time. A lot of kids that are latchkey kids or kids who who have problems with their parents, they'll come to my house and they'll talk. And what I think with a lot of the lying thing is the kids don't trust the parent or they're not comfortable enough to tell the parent the truth. I'm not saying in every case. I mean some kids are just little liars from the start. You can see that, but <laughs> but yeah. by and large, you know, kids will come and tell me the truth or they'll probably like Robin, like you're a Mrs. B or you know, um you, you they'll tell you things that they won't tell their own parents because there's not that comfort level or that yeah. trust built in. Mm-hmm. And Robin, do you see that a lot in your ministry?
3: a lot yeah that's where we had a teen group and they could say things that they couldn't say at home i wasn't a risk i wasn't going to ground them i wasn't going to scream and yell at them what i do understand is the way that kids and i would say adult we've been talking about mean people but there's a reason why they weren't born like that there's a reason behind that's where my heart jumps in Mm -hmm. how can i help you get healed so that you don't keep doing this because you're not happy either so, the kids would do that they would oh, their parents were shocked at what they knew. <laughs> wow, what they'd say they couldn't believe it
1: we do so. we teach our Kids to hate. We teach our kids to to yep. retaliate. We teach our kids how to handle their anger. They see it in the adults yep. every day. Boy, we could go another couple hours on this show, yes. but I need to I need to take us to the end of the show. I want to thank Robin Beeson from Eugene, Oregon; Linda Crater from Washington, D.C.; Frankie Princasso from Toronto, Ontario. On behalf of Sandra Beck and Dynamic Women Talk Radio, I'm so glad that you are here. I hope. I hope, I hope that we use these opinions today to start discussions, not end them. Talk to your friends, talk to your family, talk to anybody that will listen so that we can start changing some of these trends one day at a time. Uh, For Sandra Beck and Linda Crater and Dynamic Women Talk Radio, we'll be back again next week with more great commentary like we did today.
3: Saved by the bell. (laughs) Say that by the bell.
0: Thank you for tuning in today to Dynamic Women Talk Radio, and join us each week. You can find more shows on dynamicwomentalkradio.com.